How do we view church? How do you view church? Not just Calvary Chapel Irmo, but church as a whole throughout your life. Do we see church as a cruise ship or a battleship? Or are, are we here for comfort? Now, don't get me wrong. I like for things to be welcoming and inviting. I like there to be an atmosphere that it welcomes people into the body of Christ. But ultimately, how do we view church? What is the purpose of going to church Sunday in and Sunday out? Yes, there is a component where we come to worship and be edified. But what's the big picture? What's the big picture? You know, and my heart, my vision for Calvary Chapel, I'm going to share with you this morning, is that we be on a mission. And not just a cruise ship, but to be focused, having a a mission, have vision. And I want to share that with you this morning. You know, there's, there's a lot of discussion within Christianity today. You know, what is what is the purpose? What is the meaning? What is our vision? Where are we going? You know, and it's important that as a church that we have a vision, that we have a mission. And as many of you know, this is our three-year anniversary of Calvary Chapel Irma. This is our three-year anniversary. We started three years ago with a Bible study on Sunday nights. We went to move to Lake Murray Gymnastics, and we met in a stinky gym for two years. <laughs> and had a lot of fun there, a lot of growth. Then we went to the middle school. And throughout all this past three years, what we've been working on is establishing our foundation, is people joining our body of believers and us forming ministries within our church, whether it be worship ministry, student ministry, adult ministry, men's ministry, women's ministry, because we want to minister to the body of Christ. We know that people come into church and they got stuff going on. And we want to minister to that body. We want to bring healing and wholeness. And we want to bring God's grace to people's lives. But there comes a point in a Christian's growth and development that it's okay. It's time to move forward with a mission. And that's where we've come to this morning. This morning, I want to present to you, our, our, my sermon is actually going to be two parts. First, I'm going to preach and I'm going to teach from Matthew chapter 28 and give you the foundation. So you can turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to go through five verses. And we're going to look at the Great Commission. That's part one of my message. And then part two of my message, after we go over the Great Commission, we're going to talk about our mission. This is our mission as a local body. It's what Calvary Chapel Irmo represents. At the end of my teaching today, you're going to know what we're all about. You're going to know, okay, I know what Calvary Chapel Irmo is about. I know what their mission is. This mission statement is going to cover all ministries, from student to women to men to children to all ministries that are birthed here. It's going to center around this mission statement. But first, before we present our mission statement, let's look at the Great Commission, which is our marching orders from our commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus Christ from heaven, because he's the one that runs the show, not me or you, but him. Amen. Matthew chapter 28, please look, turn your attention to verse 16. We're going to close out the, the gospel of Matthew. Matthew 28, 16. 
But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I could spend three weeks on this. This thing is so packed, is so rich, but we're going to look at a couple things. But let's pray. Or I'll, or I'll, I'll go off on a tangent and start preaching and forget to pray. So let me pray now while I'm thinking about it, because I'm excited about this. Father God in heaven, thank you for your word. Lord, as we look at it now, God, um, let us receive from you this morning. Let every heart and mind in this room receive by your spirit what you are saying to us in this text. We love you and we praise you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You ready to receive this morning? All right, let's do it. Matthew 28, verse 16. Uh, verse by verse teaching, 16 through 20. But the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. Now, first thing I want you to understand this morning is anytime Jesus had something special to say to it, he said a lot of things throughout the Gospels, but anytime he had something special to say, something with special emphasis, we see in the scriptures he does it in private with his disciples. It's like one-on-one time with them. He does it either in private in a room, or he takes them up high on a mountain. He takes them up high on a mountain. Four times in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus takes his disciples up on a mountain. One of the most famous sermons ever preached was the Sermon on the, the, sermon on the Mount. What did Jesus teach us at the Sermon on the Mount? He taught us the Lord's Prayer. He taught us how to pray. He taught us the, um, the Beatitudes. He taught us all these amazing life principles up on the Sermon on the Mountainside, up on the Mount. The Mount of Transconfiguration. We see in the story of the Mount of Transfiguration, we took uh, Peter and John up on the mountain, and we, had, we see a taste of glory, the Shekinah glory, the radiance of his face turned white, and Moses and Elijah there with him. And the disciples are given a preview of the glory that Jesus had before he came into this world in heaven. That was a special moment in the disciples' lives, and he did it on a mountain. And then, of course, the most famous mount, the Mount of Calvary. The Mount of Calvary where you and I see the love of God in action. How much does God love you? How much does he want to bestow his grace on you? Look no further than Calvary. Look no further than Calvary. That is the deepest, richest expression of God's love for each and every single human being on this earth. And he does it all on a mountain. He does all these on a mountain. And now we come to the mountain of Galilee. This is the final and greatest commandment. And these are the last words. Imagine a church in the first century. We don't know what church received the gospel of Matthew first, but that very first church that got the, the documents of the gospel of Matthew, they study it, they read it, they read it, they read all these life principles of, of all these sermons, all these teachings that Jesus did, and it closes with what? It closes with discipleship. So what do we do with the gospel? 
after you learn about this beautiful life of Jesus and these great and magnificent and heavenly truths and this glorious message of gospel and grace, what do you do with it? Well, what does Matthew close with? The Sermon on the Mount where he says, go and make disciples. That's what we do with Christianity is we go and we make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, teaching them these deep and rich biblical truths and making them love God more and more and more. That's, so he takes them, to get back to the, the text, he takes them up on a mountain because it's a special place. And we see in the Gospels, on the mountains, and in private, Jesus places special emphasis on things. And we need, need to make note of that. Verse 17, it says, When they saw him, they worshipped him. And some were doubtful. What we have here is we have a mixed bag. We have disciples at different levels. Some theologians believe that the 500 people that Paul talks about in Corinthians may have been with that group. The text doesn't say that, so we're not gonna, we don't know. But whoever was there, the disciples were there, possibly more, there was a mixed bag of people. There were mixed people. They were at different levels of their faith. Some were worshiping, it says. That means some were committed. Some were devout followers. But some of them had doubts in their minds. Some of them had doubts in their minds. Where are you at this morning? Where are you at in your walk with Christ? Where are you at in your walk with Christ? And the thing I want you to notice is both categories of people came up to embrace this great commission. Barner Research says this. It says, in today's Christianity, according to their polls, 20% of the church engages in discipleship. And that's some type of of spiritual formation, some type of Bible training, some type of Bible class that they're a part of. Now, they also did a poll, they did research. If you add a mentor into that, into that scenario of discipleship where someone is being discipled by another person, the percentage drops down to 15%. This is a very small percentage when it's one of the greatest things that Jesus commanded us to do. He said, go and make disciples. Now, we do go out. We do preach the gospel. We do witness to people. We share the gospel, and we make converts. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. The next step is, evang- is, is evan- well, evangelism, but the next step is discipleship. This, my friend, is, is a, um, can very, be a very daunting task because this is a mountaintop experience. He, he calls them up on the mountain, and it can be very challenging, but this is for those who desire to press forward. Verse 18, I'm going to spend a lot of time here because I think this is very important. We need to understand that our calling, our authority, our mission is not because of our faith or because of who we are. Our authority to do what we do comes directly from the Lord Jesus Christ. The word authority is what we're going to look at here in this verse. Verse 18 says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. My friends, we will be a church. We will be a body that trusts in the authority, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to understand, it says, he has all authority in where? In heaven 
and earth. That means the Lord Jesus Christ has authority over everything in the universe, over everything in this world, over all people, all nations, everywhere. He has, he has all authority over creation. Who controls the weather? Who controls the sun? Who controls the winds and the waves and, and everything that's happening in the world in the natural realm? The Lord Jesus Christ does. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is asleep with his disciples in the boat. And the storms are raging. The disciples go and wake Jesus up and say, Master, save us. He gets up. He speaks to the winds and the waves. And he says, be silent. Be still. And what, do the, what does nature do? It obeys Jesus. And the disciples look and say, whoa, this dude is serious. That's my little part. Even the winds and the waves obey him. That's what the text says. Even the winds and the waves obey him. So Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to understand this morning, he has all authority over creation. He has all authority over creation. Creation submits to him. Number two, Jesus has all authority over sickness. Jesus has all authority over sickness. He gave sight to the blind. He heals the leper. The woman with the issue of blood, she was pressing through the crowd, and she said, if I can just touch his garment, she reaches out, she touches his garment, and what does he do? She, he says, he, re, he looked back and says, who touched me? Power just left me and healed her. The Lord Jesus Christ has the authority over all sickness. He showed it to us in his life. He has the authority to heal. Cancer bows to the authority of Jesus. All sickness, all disease bows to the authority of Jesus. We see it in his life and ministry. So authority over creation, authority over sickness. I'm going to drive this home. You're going to leave here today knowing what Jesus has authority over. He has authority over darkness. This Bible teaches that the world we live in is covered in darkness. Evil does exist. There is a, a, a spiritual being called Satan. And the Lord Jesus Christ has authority over the darkness of this world. I don't care what you've seen. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how bad it was. He has authority over everything that's dark in this world. Listen to uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts 10, 38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good, and it says, in healing all who were oppressed of the devil. All who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. The Lord Jesus Christ is a chain breaker. He is a chain breaker. Now, I've seen people come in, and they still have that issue. They're still fighting with it. But for the believer who is ready to press in, accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, press on into discipleship, continue in the Word, continue in fellowship, continue in worship, continue in prayer, he will break the chains. He will break the chains. But there's a sacrifice to be made. There's a sacrifice to be made. There is a pressing in. We're not, the, the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, Christianity, is not McDonald's. It's not McDonald's. You don't pull up to the window, tell them what you want, swipe the credit card, get what you need, and head out. You, 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 you've got to press in. But he has authority over darkness. Number four, 
Jesus has authority to forgive sinners. Jesus has authority to forgive sinners and to lavish his grace on us. He has authority to forgive sins. The Pharisees, this infuriated them. This infuriates religion as a whole. But he has the authority to forgive sin. Man and religion say this, you deserve to be punished and you rightfully get what's coming to you. You deserve it, is what they said. But Jesus says, I will forgive you and I will cover you with grace. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8 says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 70. But I want you to look at that. In accordance with what? The riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Paul brings two things in that verse that God wants to do in every believer. First, he wants to pour out the riches of of God's grace. We need to understand that God's grace is rich. God's grace is rich. No matter how far a person has gone, no matter what they've done, no matter what doesn't matter, his grace is enough to cover and bring a person and forgive a person and to heal. It's rich. He will pour it on if that person will surrender to him. And then it says, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that he what? He lavished on us. When I see that word lavished, I think about him just with a big old vase of water. Like just imagine a big old vase of water. He just pours it on you and just keeps on pouring it. He just lavishes it on you. He will cover you in his grace. And Jesus Christ has the authority to do that. To forgive sin, to pardon sinners, and to show them amazing grace. We've got to sing that song at least once a month. Because it's a beautiful song. Okay. I know. David, great commission. I'm sorry. Let me go one more. Can I, can I do one more? Let me do one more. I got to talk. I want to tell you about the authority of Jesus. I've never heard this verse preached on, but this is one of the most profound verses in the Bible on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. There it is. Listen to what Daniel says. And this is a beautiful picture of Jesus and his authority. I kept looking in the night vision. And behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him, the ancient of days, representing God the Father, God the Father, giving to the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, it says halfway through there, and to him was given, what? Dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples and nations and men of every language might serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away. His kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. He's talking about Jesus. This is the authority. We're going to announce the mission statement. We're going to talk about discipleship. But that doesn't mean nothing until you understand the impact of the one giving the mission statement. All authority. Glory. It says, um, it says, uh, to him was given dominion, glory, and kingdom. Glory, he was, he's worthy of all worship. To a kingdom. This kingdom called Christianity is an unshakable kingdom. It cannot be shaken. It is an eternal kingdom that where he reigns. He reigns on heaven's throne. 
And he reigns in and through our hearts in this kingdom. And it's it's a dominion. It means it's all rule, all authority, and all sovereignty. Do you understand this morning the authority of Jesus? Okay, I can move on. Verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The Greek verb go here in verse 19 is not a command. It's a present participle. In other words, uh, it's ongoing. In other words, you take this mission, you take this, he's not commanding them to go because they're already going. And that's the way it should be in our Christianity. We, Christianity is a, um, is a missional faith. It's a missional faith. Christianity is more than just receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now that saves you now. That saves you. And you're saved, okay? But then what do you do with this salvation that you have? Christianity is a missional faith. You take it to the world. You take it to your neighbor. You take it to your work. You take it to the, all the peoples of the earth and let them know about this Ephesians chapter 1 God of grace who will lavish his grace on them and pour out his love in their hearts and he will restore their lives. Not only will he save their souls and prepare them for heaven, but he'll give them a new life here and now on this earth. Amen? Amen. The Greek verb is go. It's not a command. It's ongoing. Uh, it's a present participle. It means we're ongoing. And he says, the only command in verse 19 in the original language is this. It is make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. Remember we talked about his dominion is throughout all the earth. This is the command of the body of Christ in the earth, is to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. I love how Matthew just puts that in there. A beautiful picture of the Trinity. A beautiful picture of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, what do we tell people? What's our message? What's our discipleship guidelines? What's our book? Uh, Dusty comes to me and says, man, I want to disciple this person. What do I teach them? Can I, can I go buy a book? Can I, let's look at what Jesus says in verse 20. He says, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, the first thing in this verse he says here, he says, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. My advice to you, you want to disciple someone, do what Jesus says. Teach the whole counsel of God. You pick a Bible, you pick a book of the Bible. First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, Galatians, Matthew, the book of Psalms, Genesis. You pick a book of the Bible. Teach them, Jesus says, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. His word is his command to us. It's a, it's a discipleship, discipleship 101, right here. We got it. I got me a new discipleship book. It's called the Holy Bible. Teach us walk through the word. It's not very complicated. It's not very complicated. We, we come out here on Tuesday nights, us men, and we just walk our way through a chapter of the Bible. And we stop along the way. We go off on a lot of rabbit trails. And it's wonderful because we, we go through three or four verses and then Fish will share something or George will share something or I'll share something and we'll get to hear what's going on in this man's heart. And there's all kind of things taking place there. We're getting into the Word They're sharing their heart, they're opening up, but they're equally growing. And growing is a part of discipleship. It's a part of growing. Okay, I can trust these guys. I can share my heart. I hope that's taking place with the women's Bible study. 
is that women are sharing and women are connecting outside of the body and having fellowship with each other and sharing the things that are near and dear to our heart. Now, would you all agree we have stuff that we need to talk about? And God brings healing when we talk about those things. When we have a brother or sister of Christ, when, when I can go to Dan and say, Dan, I need to share this with you. And Dan won't condemn me, but he'll put his arm around me and say, hey, let's pray about this. Let's seek the Lord. Let's see what the Word says. Let's apply it to our lives. And then I love this. Okay, so teaching them all I've commanded you, we teach the Scriptures. It's the best way to make a disciple. It's simple for easy, simple minds like mine. makes it easy on me. We just open up the Bible. It says, uh, the second half of verse 20, it says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Brothers and sisters, we are under his authority. You are under his authority when you become a believer. You're under his authority. And the beautiful thing about this, I am with you always. Actually, discipleship is God working in you, through you, into that person. Have you ever been talking with a brother or sister of Christ, and, and you say something, or you talk to him about something, and all of a sudden they'd be like, <gasps> you just, and they speak to something in your life. And you're like, where did you find that out? I, I don't know, it just came to me. God uses that. Because it's God in us, it's the Lord Jesus Christ in us, helping us make disciples of all men. My friend, the Gospel of Matthew closes with the greatest commandment. This, what I've just presented to you, is what we call the Great Commission. It was Jesus' words before he left this earth to go and make disciples. Now, that's the global vision, mission statement from the Lord Jesus Christ to all the churches throughout all. Now, how about Calvary Chapel Irmo? What is our mission statement? I want to present to you now part two, part two of our mission statement, which is this. Our mission, the mission statement of Calvary Chapel Irmo, what everything will be built around is up on the screen, is this. Our mission is to make disciples that are focused upwards, inward, and outward. That is our mission statement. That is what all ministries will center around. I'm going to talk about this at the end, but that's what, that's what, all, that's what the youth ministry Children's ministry, men's ministry, women's ministry. If you come to Calvary Chapel Irmo, everything is going to be focused around upward, inwards, and outwards. After every teaching, after every sermon, after everything, we should be able to ask the question, okay, the message that Pastor David taught this Sunday, you should be able, on the ride home, you, you, you and the family or you by yourself or whatever, you should be able to say, did that message point me upward, inward, or outward? That will be our mission statement. And because I only have 30 to 35 minutes this week, I typed up a brochure for everybody to take home and to understand more of my message this morning. But that's our goal. That's our heart, is to make, missions, to make disciples that are focused upward, inward, and outward. What is a disciple? A disciple is a believer who follows in the footsteps of Jesus but wait a minute, David. Jesus is not walking down St. Andrew's Road. Okay, so I cannot go out there and follow behind Jesus. I cannot follow him physically. He's at the right hand of the Father in heaven. So what does it mean 
to follow Jesus. Simply to follow Jesus, to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, simply means this. is The things that were important to Jesus in his earthly ministry, we make those important in our life. What, 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 what Jesus made a priority, we make a priority. If he considered it important, we considered it important. If he was about the business of doing this, then we want to be about the business of doing this. So what was Jesus' three focuses? In the, in the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus had three focuses. He focused one upward. Jesus was always about having intimacy with the Father. He was always focused about staying connected with headquarters with God the Father in heaven. So he focused in his ministry. He went away, had times of prayer to spend time with the Father. So the first thing a disciple is, he's focused upward, just like Jesus was in his relationship with the Father. Secondly, Jesus was focused inward. What was Jesus' next priority? He had 12 of them. His disciples. Jesus, the next, number two, I believe, on the chain of priorities in Jesus' ministry was his disciples. Jesus spent lots and lots of time with his disciples up on mountains in private rooms, walking the streets of Galilee, in Judea, but he spent lots of time with his disciples. How do we bring that into 2018 as a disciple of Jesus? Spending time and making relationships within the body. So upward relationship with God, inward our relationship within the body. We are a living, organic organism that God has raised up. And we're interdependent on each other. You need each other. You need each other for encouragement, accountability. You need each other to keep on going. You know, life beats you down just like it beats me down. And then Brandon comes along and gives me a word of encouragement, shoots me a text, forms a relationship. We need that inward relationship. And then finally... Uh, outward. His third focus was outward, was reaching the lost. My friend, we're not rewriting the book. We're just following in the footsteps of the Savior. Keith Green says this, the generation of Christians is responsible for this generation of souls on earth. How many remember Keith Green by show of hands? Man, just a few people. This guy, Keith Green, man, he was on fire in the 70s. He was part of the Jesus movement. Uh, just a man of God who is so passionate for following the Lord. He went around America just preaching evangelism, preaching Jesus. But he says this, the generations of Christians, the generation of Christians is responsible for this generation of souls on the earth. My friend, God does not have a, a, a speaker from heaven to preach the gospel. There's not, there's not, there's not a big horn coming down out of the blue sky that's, that's preaching the gospel. That's our job. That's our job. And it's our responsibility. Not just Calvary Chapel, Irmo, Columbia Crossroads, Christian Life Assembly, the Baptist Church down the street, the Methodist Church down the street. It's the, church, it's the responsibility of the body of Christ to be the voice of the Savior in the earth today. In the earth today. So, let's look at those real quick. Upward, inwards, and outwards. A lot of this information I'm preaching on you can find in your, your bulletin, so you're welcome to look at it. You're also welcome to follow me along, but I want to highlight some things. First and foremost, a disciple is focused upwards. To be, being a disciple 
is being focused upwards. In Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17, he says this. This is eternal life. Jesus says this to the Father in his prayer. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And also in your bulletin is Jeremiah 29, 12-13. It says, Then you will call upon me, and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. My friend, God is saying to you this morning, through what we read in the text, he wants intimacy with you. He wants you in that quiet place where you know him, you love him, you trust him, and he pours out, he takes that pitcher of grace and just pours it on you and lavishes it over you according to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. He wants this intimacy where you know him, you love him, that you're completely satisfied with him. It's this inside thing. It's this, oh, he's so good. It's like a kid going out in the streets and against the law, turning on a fire hydrant and get in front of that fire hydrant and just let it blast in front of him and just get in the stream of things. That's what it's like, where you're just overwhelmed and he's flowing over you. Now, it doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen automatically. It comes through, one, studying your Bible. Getting into a Bible study, spending time in your Bible on a daily basis, morning, afternoon, evening, but just carving a part of your day out and spending time in the Word. And as you read the pages of Scripture, understand that as you're reading those pages, that is God speaking to you. Number two, worship. Worship is a very important part of every believer. You need to spend time in worship. You know, God, his word says, he inhabits the praises of his people. The, the time before we get into the word, that time of worship is so important that we sing out, that we lift our hands, that we worship him because we're inviting him. And he comes down and he transforms our hearts when we surrender in worship. Worship is more than just singing a song. Worship is more than just reading the words off the screen. It's engaging God and saying, God, I need you. I want to worship you. I surrender to you. My heart is surrendered. My mind is surrendered. My hands are surrendered. My life is surrendered. And that takes place in worship. And then equally with the word and with worship, is prayer. It's prayer. Spending time with him in a quiet time where you call out to him and you pour out your heart. This inward focus is huge and life-transforming. And he will do it. And that's his desire. So number one, a disciple is focused upward in their relationship, their intimacy with God. Number two, a disciple is focused inward. Inward, inward in the body. Uh, Christianity is getting into the Bible, studying the Word of God, and applying it to our lives. But Christianity is also building relationships, building relationships with other believers. And, and it has an effect on our lives. Proverbs 27 17 says, Just as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I have never been sharpened as much as I do on Tuesday night. 
here in, here in the popo talk about his arrest and the things that God is doing in his life and the analogies and the illustrations that Jim brings to the table with his police stories. And, and then um, George, the iron worker, bringing his illustrations. And then we just walking through the word and things jump out and it ministers to us. But it sharpens us. It sharpens us and makes us sharper. And we need that relationship. Now, not only do you need that relationship with men, but I want to strongly encourage you, find men, find another man that you can form a friendship with so that iron, sharpening iron, can take place. We need that. Ladies, you need it too. A lady that you can pour your heart out to. A disciple is focused on this inward relationship where we're discipling others. We're helping other people follow Jesus, teaching others about, um, teaching each other about grace. Teaching each other about grace. You know, seeing a brother rebel, take off, and I don't see him no more, and he completely avoids me, and I haven't even said anything to him. And what the thing I want to share with him, if he would just answer my text or answer my phone call, I want to show you grace. I want to show you grace. I want to show you the path back. I'm not calling you and texting you so I can pounce on you. I'm calling you and texting you and loving on you to bring you back to the Savior, to speak truth and encouragement and accountability. Accountability is very important as the disciple focuses inward. Number three in your bulletin in the handout is um, a disciple is focused outward. A disciple is focused outward. Evangelism is not the job for a select few in the church. It's for all committed followers of Christ. It's for all people within the sphere of our influence, whether it's work, neighbors, people we shop with, places we go. We've got to be focused outward. You know, we've got, we've got to get the, the inward, a relationship, intimacy with the Father, get connected with the body, and then as disciples, we got to reach out. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, as far as I know, I haven't seen it in my lifetime, but you know, the, the Lord is not speaking through burning bushes. You know, he's not speaking through a loud horn or a big speakerphone coming down from earth. He's speaking through you and me. He's speaking through us to reach out to people with the grace and the truth of Jesus. Letting, inviting them. You know, I'm like, hey, if you, brother, if you feel comfortable sharing the gospel one-on-one, then share the gospel with them. Share the gospel with them. Share the truth with them. You know, if you can't invite them to church, invite them to church. But just be active in some kind of outreach. It can be um, knee knocking, it can make your palms sweaty, it can be a nervous adventure, but it's an adventure that is under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he says, lo and behold, I am with you, I will help you, I will take you through this. So we, we're called to be focused outward, we're called to be focused outward in our outreach. I could, um, I hear beautiful stories, and some of you are s- sitting here this morning uh, of outreaches, 
reaching out to help people that are broken, reaching out to people that are broken, that the world has rejected, and you're reaching out to them in grace and truth and love. And that's what evangelism is all about. You know, and, and remember, we're under the authority of the Lord, and he calls us to do it. So our mission, that is our mission, <clears throat> church family. Our mission, state the mission statement of Calvary Chapel Irmo is our mission is to make disciples that are focused upwards, inward, and outward. All right, Pastor David, how are you going to implement this? How do we get the body moving? How do we, how do, how do, how do, how do we get the train going? How do we get the, the coals in the fire and, and get the wheels turning? Here's how we're going to do it. Two ways. Two ways. One is this will be the, the, the foundation of all Calvary Chapel ministries. You know, we're going to talk with the leaders and everything that's, that's done and taught and said in the focus of ministries should have this in, in their forethought. You know, how does this ministry point believers upwards, inwards, and outwards? And I mean, there's, that, that is a very, actually a very broad statement if you think about it. There's so many ways of ministry, whether it's men's or women's or children's or whatever, do, do we focus the Bible study, the teaching, on their upward relationship with God? You know, what was the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. So focusing on that relationship, the ministry can say, hey, you know what, we're going to focus this teaching this week for this season, for this month, on inward. How to build relationships within the body of Christ. Or, you know, we can do one of my favorite subjects, evangelism and reaching outward. So it's very broad, but it's focused at the same time. So people know where we are going. So that's the foundation of all Calvary Chapel, of all the ministries here at Calvary Chapel. That's the first way we implement it, by making it the, the, the mission statement of the church and making it the foundation of all ministries. Number two is, uh, I'm glad in the Great Commission, Jesus did not say, pastors, go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say that. He didn't say church leaders. He, said to, he, told, he, he spoke to the disciples. He said, disciples, you go and make disciples of all nations. Discipleship does not rest on the pastor of the church. Discipleship as a whole, moving forward, fulfilling the Great Commission, does not fall on me. It falls on us. It falls on us as a collective body. It falls on all believers. It falls on all believers. So I want to challenge you. You know, who within your sphere of influence can you reach out to and commit one year of developing a relationship with that person? Of, 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 of not only winning that person to Christ and being a godly influence, but then after you win them to Christ, come alongside them and be their friend and disciple them. And there's, you got your manual right here. And disciple them for one year, focusing upward, inwards, and outwards. I want to close with this last slide here. This is um, some statistics. 
own discipleship. The, imagine, imagine with me for a moment that our church, I tell you, let's take that back. Let's say three, three churches in the area, including Calvary Chapel, us and two other churches. Let's say that we, could, that we were able to win one soul a day every single day for the rest of the year. That would be 365 salvations per year. There it is. Let's say we were able to win one soul a day. That's pretty good. That's pretty strong. If we as a body of believers were able to win one person to Jesus every single day for the next year. 365 salvations per year. Let's look forward to 20 years. That would create 7,300 new believers. Okay. Let's take three churches in this area. Just one believer. Just one I, I'm going to take a guess. I'm going to say there's probably 80 people here this morning. Let's say just one of you people in here, just one person, committed to discipling one person for one whole year, forming a relationship, building that relationship, focusing on discipleship, upwards, inwards, and outwards. And if this was duplicated each year for 20 years, look at the number of new believers. Do the math for yourself. And it was duplicated each year. Question for you. Do you think Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said make disciples? Now, I'm not discounting evangelism. I love witnessing. I love sharing the gospel with people. And I'm completely committed to evangelizing everywhere I go. Whether it's witnessing one-on-one with a person or giving someone a pamphlet, or, or, or just reaching out, because we're called to do that. But we've got to take it a step beyond that. Look at what discipling would do, not just for us, for all believers. Over a half a million believers, if we committed to discipleship. One produces one, the next year two produces four, and you do the math. Discipleship is the path to go when it comes to building the body. My friend, I I close with this thought this morning as the worship team comes up. Where are you at? Where, Where are you at in your walk with Christ? Where are you in the spectrum of your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Where are you at? There's only one judge besides God that knows that, and that's you. You know where your heart is. If you are here this morning, two two categories of people, if you are here this morning and you say, I want to be discipled, I, I need that. I need somebody to come alongside me and help me focus upward, inwards, and outwards. I need that. I want you to come let me know after service. I will talk with you. I will pray with you. We'll, we'll call, we'll text, and I will make sure that you are partnered up with someone who will help you on your journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So if you need that, man, please let me know. That's my job. That's my calling, is to help you grow. Now, if you need discipling, please let me know. We'll make it happen, huh? Number two, If you are here 
and you consider yourself, you're on the solid rock, you're on the foundation. My question to you is this, who can you come alongside? Who can you come alongside and help grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ? You know, this was, he, he closed the gospel of Matthew. You know, the, the last statements are always the most important. We're, we're commanded to go out and make disciples. And I'll admit, man, when you look at the global world, as, as a, when you look at the big picture, it can be a very daunting task. It can be very daunting. Man, how can we win these millions and millions of people who aren't following God? You know, it, it could be like, hurt your brain to think about. But we can't look at it that way. we we got to look at it one-on-one. One-on-one. You grab one person and disciple them. Our students grab one person and disciple them. Our men, one person. Our women, one person. And come alongside and help that person. Encourage that person. And just outright ask them, hey, I'm here to help you. I'm here to disciple you. You know, we see everything going on in our, our current world right now with the things going on in Syria right now with all the we, we, are, we are at a point in our nation where we have never been so divided as we are today and what greater time than today in this era, in this life, in this time right now that we commit to making disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring his glorious beautiful light into the world. Um, That's our mission, and I hope you will join our mission in going out and sharing the good news and making disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, discipleship, Father. It's your command to the church, to the body. And Lord, it can be very daunting with everything we see going on around the world. But help us, Lord, to find that one person that we can reach out to and disciple. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we receive from your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.